Christ specifically calls out churches. And he calls out different churches by name for different things. Because it is a completely specific, clear, local expression of the church in a very real way. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. Welcome to episode number 97 of the Carpe Fide Podcast. Tonight, I'm flying solo, but not really. Tonight, I have with me, not Jesse, but one John Gruber. Yes. Little less beard, lots more hair on top of my head. <laughs> you might know him as Pops. Hey, hey, Pops everybody. Jesse is working tonight. Uh, he is, uh, was a little busy of a week, but we really uh, wanted to bring a podcast to you and try to get it actually up on our normal date of Friday. We've had we've been a little flippity-jibbity on our schedule, so we're trying to get back on track. Uh, and so I couldn't think of anyone better to bring this uh, topic in. Uh, this topic that we're going to talk about tonight is fraught. And so it's best that only one of the hosts is here to say something and, and you know, have everyone stop listening instead of both. And Jesse can just pick up the torch and run with it. I brought Pops here because hopefully he can keep me from saying anything I shouldn't. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go again. It's a tall task. I don't know. The uh, title is uh, in, the, the title is the title of our episode tonight is oh, it's a little adult. <laughs> so this is your parental warning here. This is probably like I don't know because of because of the word here. I don't know. This is like totally a fainting goat warning on it, this episode. It's a biblical word. Oh yeah, but it's not too common in our uh, vocab these days. No. So here I'm going to say uh, that I'm going to say. The title, this has been your warning, that if you have small children and you don't feel like having a weird conversation, you can just listen, maybe mute this part or put it in your headphone, hear it first. So, you know, if you want to decide as a parent, if you're ready to have an explain, you know, explanatory conversation about <clears throat> about what the title is, the title of, that was, your, that was your warning, you've been warned, the title of episode 97 is, The Church is Not a Whore. Ooh, <laughs> what did you say? I said, the church is not a whore. Wow. That's actually used in the Bible, huh? Yeah. The, uh, the the word whore is used at least 32 times in the Bible, depending on you know how your English version may translate mm. the word, the Hebrew or Greek word. Um, you'll find it. If you don't believe me, just go to one chapter, Hosea 4. I believe it's mentioned seven times there alone. Oh, wow. So okay. just go ahead. Right. If you don't know the actual story of Hosea, also, maybe refresh yourself with that biblical history and read the book of Hosea. It is going to uh, illustrate um, a lot of what mm. we're going to talk about tonight, actually, yeah. ironically. <laughs> yeah, true that. Yes. Uh, the church is not a whore. Well, this should be good. Yes. Now, I want to caveat what we're going to say. I'm, I, I know I'm going to say some things that are going to come across harshly tonight. Here's the thing. This has been... What I, when I look at it, probably for just you, pops, and in our our little small little section of the world, and our little our little extended family here, probably a twenty five year journey to understand what the mm -hmm. church actually is. You were an elder at a church for fifteen years. You've been an elder at Monsieur Day for ten. Um, it's been a long journey, and so the things we're going to say to some of you, you may simply say, oh yes, no, this is all great, this all makes sense. Some of you, this may be the first time you've heard it, and so what I don't want you to hear is a lot of judgment, 
about you. What I want you to hear is the right perspective you should have on what the church is and how we are not to treat it. You know, I've uh, thought back, especially uh, right now at, at Missio Day, we're, uh, we're teaching through um, church structure and just uh, what it means to be uh, in covenant community with, um, with fellow believers in your church. And it's been really refreshing, but it has been an accumulation of uh, things that um, I, I have seen in Scripture, and uh, it, it's taken a while for God to really turn the light on in my, in my mind and my heart. But in, in the end, at the end of the day, we want to do what the Bible says. We want to do what the Scriptures say. We want to do it in the way that we are called to do it from the Scriptures. And um, I, I keep saying that, you know, it's, we, put our, you know, we put our simple faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, we got to put our simple faith in doing things the way he wants us to do them. And that includes what it looks like in church. What is church about and things like that? You know, it's we, we need to do it. We need to simply, by faith, do it. Yes, it doesn't mean amen. it's simplistic. There's a lot to it. Yeah, but no, absolutely. It's simple. Let's just do it the way the scripture says. So that's what, that's what I'm hoping tonight, uh, now that we've shocked you with... Uh, with the W word. I can't remember who was on the panel uh, with um, R.C. Sproul. Uh, may have been at the League of Near Conference one year, and R.C. Sproul was up there, and they, you know, they're asking, it's a Q&A, and the question came in, um, <laughs> how do I know I'm reformed, I believe was the question. And uh, R.C. jokingly said, gave it to one of the other guys, and one of the guys was like, well, the first thing you do is, uh, is you read the Bible, and uh, and then you become biblical, and uh, then you're reformed. <laughs> and uh, and uh, while while we don't do a lot of uh, trying to name and claim different uh, connections, uh, that is essentially what what the reformed position of of Christ and and salvation and the Scripture is. And honestly, every church should be seeking to be biblical. What does the Bible say? Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. There doesn't need to be a lot of middle ground here. So um, here's here's just three things. That I want to paint. I'm painting broadly here, and we can we can tease them out each a little bit. But three things the church has forgotten. All right, and in this, the church has forgotten who she is. All right, the first thing, pastors have not biblically taught what the church is. Ouch. Mm. It's mm. true. Mm. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Do you have any, Do you have any thoughts on on reasons why? Um, I, you know, I, I thinking about and I'm, it, just thinking about the history of of how did we come to the structures that we're used to now, where there is in many churches a lead pastor, uh, there might be an elder board behind that or a deacon board behind that, and um, you know, but so like, how did that come about? Where do we see that in the scriptures as as being the form of what the early church was actually? doing so so you know i think we have a history you know maybe in america maybe you know you think of uh maybe maybe circuit preachers in the midwest and the western frontier that would make circuits and all of a sudden everybody started you know towns are developing they start hunkering down there and then they have a building um you know where do we see buildings in the local new testament church but they popped up through through you know centuries later there's everybody's meeting in buildings so there's there's some things there's some components historically Portacus, that, man. that that made made church into something that we are very comfortable with and i think in that comfort you fall into patterns so 
you know, so, 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 but, but what doesn't happen is, uh, kind of a, wow, should I use the word deconstruction? Oh gosh, don't, I hate that word. Yeah, I know you oh, hate, I hate that hate word so much, but, but, but there's a construct of, um, of what we think church is. And every now and then, I think we need to pause and, and say, all right, let's, let's not look denominationally. Let's not look at how I was raised. Let's not look at what everybody else is doing around us. Let's look at the word. What was the early church doing? What were they about? What did God call them to do for each other? What, what, you know, uh, I just so, feel like if they had like a single floored, you know, church building, though, Tychicus wouldn't have fallen out of the roof, uh, fallen out of the window. Poor well, guy. Well, I mean, was that a church? <laughs> I don't think he fell out of a church building. No, he fell out of a house. That's he what I mean. You, I thought your whole point was saying that we didn't you know, have, yeah. where do we get these structures? Yeah. And I think it's, a, I, mean, I do, I think we, we, we briefly mentioned this just when we were talking, there's something to the reality that, you know, it, here in America and in many, I mean, in, in many places, even in, in Europe, as the Reformation spread and as uh, church was integral to life, the church was the center of the of your town, your city, your your place of living. And it was a place where where, you know, people were led spiritually and, and decisions were made, not just for, you know, the church, but for the town, for the the people. Mm-hmm. And and that was a good thing. But some what we let creep into it was a more corporatistic mindset. We. We created this um, this materialistic venture. We we started to model inside the church the aspects of you know good business practice, and we let things like Robert's rules mm-hmm. and right. all, all these other things creep into the church. And the church can't be that because it's just not there in God's word. It's not that thing. Yeah, I, and and here's you mentioned Robert's rules, and that's just something that. That is, is a mechanism, you know, uh, um, of having a meeting, but, but still, it's, it's a mechanism <laughs> to have a meeting. It's brought into the church, but you know, we really do have a better way than even Robert's rules to, to function when we need to make a decision in the church. It's in the scriptures, well, you know, well, it, it, and it's, it's, should, should we talk about, wait, isn't that down? Is that down oh, here? I don't in know. Our maybe notes? it like is. Maybe our, it our is. Island? I don't know. We, uh, you know how we go everywhere and some, <laughs> somehow we end up nowhere you know as, as we've gotten corporatistic though i think one of the reality go nowhere yeah one of the realities is that pastors haven't biblically taught mm-hmm. what the church is because if our modern you know western civilization sensibilities would be offended at what god actually calls the church to be mm. because because we don't think of ourselves as needing to commit do uh, have requirements and accountabilities placed on. We don't think of that mm. in that way. Um, and and pastors haven't biblically taught the church because if they did, they might find themselves not having a church, which kind of quite begs mm. the question right. about who's actually going to church <laughs> in, at the, in, in the end, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's um, that, that seems to be the, a common structure. You, you know, I always, you know what I say. What's the most dangerous steps in a church? The steps that lead to the pulpit. The steps that lead to a pulpit. And there's, the reason I say that is because we elevate our pastors higher than they probably should be. Mm-hmm. But we also place on them our own spirituality. We want them to be the spiritual leaders. And what we do as congregants from the seats is we, you know, we, we just give our 
identity in Christ to our pastors yeah. and let well, them mean, live it out. We're putting we're putting dollars in the plate, and 70 right. 80 percent of the budget goes to salaries. So we expect mm-hmm. them. They're they're our hired holiness, right? right. They're they're the ones that we expect them to, you know say what we want them to say about what we want to believe about Jesus and not to offend us and certainly not to expect things of us or, or require things of us. Yeah. So that's one of the structures I think that's definitely, um, needs, I think it needs to be challenged and looked at, looked at in a lot of congregations, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. to see what's, what's going on there. Where's the scripture behind what, why we're doing what we're doing. Yep. And, um, you know, uh, I think I think Scripture can prove, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, in my mind, that a lot of ch- churches are not healthy because of those components we just talked about. Amen. Like so, trying to jump back. The, so I, we may have touched on some of this already, but maybe the, the, the problem that that the church has forgotten is that the church has forgotten who she is. Pastors mm-hmm. have not biblically taught the churches. The next thing is that Christians think the church exists for them. Right. Uh, we are stuck in this mindset. Now, again, you could say, you know, C.1, pastors haven't been really taught what the church is. Yes, yes, sure. But also, Christians are just incredibly biblically ignorant. We do not know what God's word says anymore. It's like it's like we can read, you know, we can read our, our social media feed. We can read, mm. you know, our newswire. We can read uh, Shakespeare, but we can't for some reason read the Bible. It's like, there's just complete biblical illiteracy for us as Christians. And, and therefore we end up thinking that somehow the church is about us. It's about us Christians, right? Cause that's who's goes to the church. So the church is actually about us. It's like, and, and then you just personalize that the church is actually about, it's about me. <laughs> what do I get out of it? What is it? If it's, is it doing what I need or want mm-hmm. it to do? And by doing that, we've, We've not yeah, we've definitely, acknowledged the scripture. We've definitely adulterated what the scriptures would call our worship time to be. You might say we've hoarded it out. Yeah, you might say. I, I, I kinda, if you were to go back to the title. I kind of sweetened it up a little bit. <laughs> you sure did. You know. <laughs> trying to soften the blow. I, I, I got nothing. I'm but, an old school guy. You know? I got rocks and I'm sticks. I'm not as edgy as you. My rocks. hair's kind of combed. <laughs> you know. Rocks and sticks, man. That's all I got tonight. <laughs> Uh, last last thought here in the problem uh, that the church has forgotten who she is. We have so selfishly individualized salvation hmm. that we have no duty but to ourselves. Hmm. And I say this one, yeah. particularly in Western civilization, uh, because we've taken concepts uh, that that are woven into our, the fabric of who we are, and we've we've perverted them with sin, right? So, and you know, in Western civilization, which largely has. Um, you know, but come to come to sort of figurehead, I guess, in, in, in American culture, um, it became so it, we look at, we look at the founding of America where we have the longest standing <clears throat> constitution, uh, overseeing a free people in the history of the world. Um, and we look at it and it talks about like rights and individual rights, but we forget that the people that wrote that believed, yes, you are all individuals. You have freedom given by God, uh, to live and move and act. But that, that in that freedom, you have personally required a duty to others, a duty to, uh, your country, a duty to do something that Mm -hmm. was required of you. And because we've so selfishly individualized salvation that everything becomes a personal journey, we have forgotten that we actually have a duty to others yeah i think that and it, that probably ties back into the the uh, lack of teaching into what how the church functions 
if you think about it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and again, I think the scripture is very clear, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. I'm sure we'll touch on that again, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's just that it kind of is, is this circle. If it's not taught from the scriptures from the pulpit, it's not going to be done by by the sheep that need to interact and be part of each other and who are literally, you know, in a spiritual body, part of each other. So we individualize it and that's where you get that term consumerism. That's mm-hmm. where that's where we we actually, you know, much like we bring God and we want to make him into our own image, we do the same thing with church. We want to make it into something we want it to be. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, what do we do? If it's if it's not meeting our needs, what do we do? It's pack up and head head across town. Well, the answer is we find a, we we find what we deem a better product. Yeah, my dad had this saying. You know, he um he never graduated high school. He had a, he got his GED, but he was a farmer. Um, and he 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 told me once when I was like maybe fourteen, fifteen years ago. He goes, you know, John, people do the things they want to do, and I'm like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> and you know, I get to look back and like, you know what? People do what they want to do, and and if they're not spiritually informed, they have really, they they literally do what's right in their own eyes. I feel like and it's that's the same as, as a lot of a lot of a lot of congregants don't think about what the scriptures say, and they just do church. In their own eyes, I don't know. If, am I am I off base with that? No, one hundred percent. We're just two so elders funny. here it's... talking, and like you know, what am I? What, you know, uh, oh boy, community group was kind of hot this week too, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> hot no, mess really for wasn't. me. The, so. <laughs> it's just funny that you know, Grandpa Gruber would. He's a farmer. He said something. It's like like so simple. That you're like, oh, that's dumb, and you're like. That's so, oh my so gosh, profound. It's it so, so simple. It's profound. It's yeah. so simple that we just yeah. skip right over it. Yeah. People do what they want to do. Oh, man. With all these problems, here's your solution. One solution, very simple. Mm. Only God can define his church. Right. Whose church? His church. Oh, his church. It's yeah. Wait, church isn't mine? Yep. Nope. That's the point. See? One of the problems. Oh. Let's listen to the problems. There we go. Only God can divide his church. His word is our only definable source. Wait. Hold, wait. Really? Yep. So what you're saying, wait, let me get this right. Okay. So so God mm-hmm. has defined yep. his church. Yeah. Okay. And how does he do that? Through his word. Yep. Good, so we can read the word and yep. find out how he defines his church. And that's all we need. Well, okay. that, was the, that was the high hat. You know? I went for the applause button. Yeah. See? <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Hey, all right, that's you, correct. You. you are all correct. Right. It is that is that is how it works. <laughs> kind of really got to label these sound oh, effect wow. buttons. <laughs> well, at least you didn't hit my mute button. No, not, well, you keep it Yet. up. No. <laughs> I want to take this. I want to break this down into the two categories that we're really looking at: the the individual Christian and the pastor. And I'm doing that with two words. Now, remember our title again: earmuffs. The church is not a whore. Now, I'm going to use two words to help us understand, right? Pastors and Christians. And that is this. I'm going to use the words pimps. I did say earmuffs already. Pimps and Johns. Now, for those of you who are, um, well, as white as the driven snow, I want to explain this a little bit to you. So, simply, a pimp is a person who sells out someone else's body. Now, that could be a woman, could be a man, but that is what a pimp does. They do it for profit. 
A John is the term used for a person who purchases a prostitute or a whore, if you would. So you have a pimp who is the one making money off of someone else's body in a sexual manner, usually, and that is a pimp. And then you have a John. A John is someone who is buying and purchasing said person from maybe say a pimp and these two words are harsh they're for real like this is not 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 trying to mince words i'm actually trying i'm okay if you're shocked i am i'm even okay if you're offended but don't just get offended by two words three words a few words please get offended by the fact that this content is true (laughs) like get offended by the fact that the problems that we list and we're think we're talking about are are a real problem inside of our culture and into your church be upset that there are churches all around you if you live in any part of western civilization that that there are churches all around you where you live that have these very real problems that these words define them and and they have they have failed they have they have lived in the problem and neglected the solution Hmm. i'm offended i'm offended not by the first word but by the second word as, well, as a John, I, I you know, no, no, no. I don't, why not, did they pick John to describe? It's just your name. That I know, but yeah, but I also, honestly, I'm offended in about the use of my name, John, for other things too. I mean, like a dead body that has no identification is a John Doe. There you go, a John female deer. Like, what's up? What's up with that? Yeah, that's ridiculous. And you know, where do you? When you have to use the facilities, where do you go? Go to the John. You go to the John. But sometimes you can go. What to, is up with this? You could go to the Lou. <laughs> well, that's true, but that's across the pond. <laughs> that's across the pond. That's across the pond where oh, there's Johns man. across the pond, but not this John. Oh no! Oh my goodness! But that is those are those words. So now that I have, right. I've, I've at least defined them, I can I can use them again. So we had and you'll three, know what I'm talking about. Three words here that we needed earmuffs for so far. Yeah, that's tonight. right. So earmuffs. The church is not a whore, and now right. we need to talk about. Pimps and Johns. What do you mean by that? Explain yourself. Explain yourself. Here's, Lucy, here's, you got some explaining to do. Well, here comes the question. Here's how you can understand what I mean by Pimps and Johns. Here's, here's the question. Why do we treat the church as... I have a long list. I'll go through it slowly. A social club. Hmm. A gym membership. An entertainment venue. A networking opportunity. A dating website. Oh, ouch. A okay. pyramid marketing scheme. A hmm. babysitter. A self-help guru, the boys slash Girl Scouts, because we earn merit badges there. Ooh. Or, Ooh. or why do we treat it as a viable career opportunity? Hmm. Wow, there are really, really interesting uh, hmm, concepts there you're throwing out. Yeah, you want to expound on that a little bit? Like, yeah. I mean, I tried, I really wanted to try to get everybody in there. Everybody that, that like I tried to, and it's easy because like how, how have I ever viewed the church? How have I ever seen someone else view the church? It's pretty easy. And I mean, it's a long list and I don't think this list is even exhaustive, hmm. but we treat it as a place where we can socially engage and we mm-hmm. find social camaraderie, like, like a club. We treat it like a gym membership yeah. where, you know, we throw money in the plate. We come whenever we want to use the facilities, right? It's an entertainment venue. I want a nice show and lights and sound effects, and I you, want to be. You know, with the gym membership thing, you know, like everybody buys a gym membership and never uses it, and I, you know, that that is, I have seen that where people will give their money and never go to yeah. church. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's actually true. That's that's uh, there's some relevance to that. Yeah. Oh yeah, 
I, mean, yeah. I, I can tell mm-hmm. you it's already happening. I mm-hmm. remember I, I I saw I remember the gyms right that that second usually that's that second to last week of Christmas, before in December and then it carries into the first two weeks yeah. of January and then it's already, it's already dropped off. Yeah. And by the, this week it's much more yeah. normal. I can tell you what, by the middle of February it's back to just, you know, me yeah. and me and the regulars. Right. <laughs> so, um, a networking opportunity. It's a place where we meet other mm-hmm. people that we can connect with and, you know, hopefully grow whatever we're looking to do off of. It's a dating website. It's where we can go to find, you know, dating opportunities and spouses or it's a pyramid pyramid marketing scheme. Yeah, what it's, do you mean by pyramid <laughs> marketing scheme? I, I, that that what's that? What's that about? Well, what I are you mean, thinking on that? I mean, it's just a it's a place where we tend to. Well, one, it's a place where there's a lot of pyramid marketing schemes. <laughs> I just think <laughs> Sometimes about sometimes your El Guapo is the real El Guapo. Guapo. It's also a place where we, you know, we use it to, you know, make ourselves, you know, either feel better or financially better. It's a place where, you know, we have people at the top and then we have people that, you know, go to those people up at the top and it mm. becomes a literal pyramid marketing okay. scheme. Even sometimes the church itself, you know, becomes so big. Let's have more, more than one campus and itself then itself becomes wow, a pyramid okay. marketing gotcha. scheme. Yep. A mm, babysitter. Wow. The church is a babysitter to some people. Yeah, we send our kids there. We bring our kids there. You know, it's better for them to go to youth group, you know, and I drop them off on a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday and they're there for however long and, you know, I don't have to watch them or deal with them. But, whoa, 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 whoa. There's kids classes But they're too. hanging around with all the other kids that have been dropped off. Yeah. And they're hearing good biblical stuff from the youth pastor. Yeah. Like, and they're because, having fun. Well, that's what, What's that's wrong what, with that? Well, that's what Jesus says. I have given your children to the youth pastor for the hip to train them up in oh, the nurture gosh. and admonition of the Lord. That's what the Bible says, right? Hmm. Huh. <laughs> I think that's I, in there. I, I, wait. Malachi 27. Yeah. <laughs> Third Timothy. No. Z- Z- Zephina <laughs> 2 verse 65. We treat the church as a self-help guru. It's huh. there to give me, to make me feel better about myself and give me practical ways in which I can better myself. Hmm. I personally like this one. We treat like the boys and girls, Girl Scouts, right? Because we get merit badges. We go to church. We get a merit badge. We go to, we go to midweek study. We get a merit badge. It it's little little holiness merit badges. Little little I'm a, I'm a good person badges. You can get those from the church, right? Are you saying that we give ourselves badges, or you know, like it, it's it, no, we're doing church, it to I mean, earn kind of like yeah, sure. You give yourself a badge, right? and then yeah, some okay, people good. also yeah. you know to get right. also also in the eyes of the church, you get more badges. You know, yeah. if, you know, some churches yeah. are are built and structured that and way. If where you get enough badges, you could get a seat at the table. Oh, uh oh, <laughs> wow! Last one's a tough one. Okay, we treat the church as a viable career opportunity. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> okay. The church, <laughs> the church, should never be viewed as a viable career opportunity. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna leave that one. I'm gonna leave that one. Just sit there. Wow. All right. So you go through all these, and it's like, all right. If you do, you, think know, you these- do know Joel Olstein signed up to listen. He's a carpe fide listener. You do know that, right? No, no, he would never do that. No, no. Oh, we, it must be a different f- Joel. No, it's definitely a different Joel. There's far oh, too much. Okay, never way, mind. Then. Way too much Bible up in this. Ugh, yeah, way too much Bible. <laughs> okay. 
If you just pray this prayer, oh gosh, you too will be healed. Stick to rich. Kermit. You'll be rich. Stick full, to Kermit. I can do John so Wayne. It's Next easy time you guys do, do voices, Austin. I'll be John Wayne. Light, That's about all I can do. You have a light, calming Southern in there, and you smile as you talk. Is that a dagger I see before me? John Wayne. That's it's about John it. Wayne. All right, that's not for this. Okay, one. that's it. We digress. I'm a little Jesse here tonight. Now, the answer is the same as the solution to our problem, right? We have these yeah. problems up there. Mm-hmm. And the solution is simply, you know, it, we need to let God define his church. Church. We need to let God define his church. So the only way we can have any definable way of knowing that is through his word. So right. the reason we treat church in these ways is because we do not follow God's word. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would. I have been convinced more and more as I've grown older that we need to revamp um, the church culture in America, Canada, North America, Western culture, uh, and get back to some of the basics of Scripture. And and I, th- I, I think that um, I think it's going to be hard. What I've noticed is when we talk talk through these type of things with even our own little church. Uh, there's a lot of disconnect because of the history of yep. of how we've grown up with doing church, and it it has become an an accepted form that we don't think about, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And and honestly, uh, that's that's that needs to change because the scripture has um, has spoken into what we how we should function as a body of believers. Yeah. Um, and if we don't revisit these things often, yep. we we grow into patterns and ideas that are far, far from what the early church um, prospered in and in the environment in which they grew in. And in Ephesians 4, it's, you know, it, it's the elders, it's the, it's, it's the leaders of the church who are responsible for creating the environment where every person of that church should grow in the stature and measure of the Lord Jesus Christ to maturity. And, and, and that's why if, if it's not, if the scriptures aren't taught, if ecclesiology doesn't become part of the fabric of the church, then you are going to do things that are totally off the radar and irrelevant and wasting your time <laughs> completely right and and, but the thing is is we think our worship is good worship we think we're doing what is right but we've never taken the time to check out and say what did they do back then in the new testament what are all these one another verses what how are they interconnected you know i, I just know? can't think like, about i can't think like in my mind i haven't been at a church of let's just give out a number of you know 200 or more that's ever stopped and once asked the question hey guys um if we go to the bible like what programming is a church supposed to have like never once is that question ever pondered like not even remotely pondered like hey we have a lot of programs here and people really like our programs what programs that we have are are like ever a part of any of the churches that we know of in God's word. Like there's never that question asked. And it's always one of those weird things to me. Like, why is it like, if we're going to consider worship, we don't immediately go to this only source we can know of about how the church is to worship. 
if we're supposed to talk, think about church leadership and structure, we should only have one source for that. There should be no, like, there should be no realm of, well, this is the tradition of what we've always done. Who, who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody cares. God doesn't care. God cares if you are obedient to what he has given, what he has called you to do. Um, and that's a, that's a, it's a problem. Yeah. 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 I agree. We have these issues. We, we think of church in these wrong ways. We abuse the church. We whore out the church because we don't follow God's word. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to turn the corner and I think yep. we're going to talk about some, some things here. Nice segue. Yeah. There we go. There's only, only three things here to express. Um, and I want to acknowledge both of these truths simultaneously at this point. The church is universal. Now, I didn't say universalist. It's not a universalist church. The church is universal, meaning that the church is across the entire universe, the church, one church. There is one mm-hmm. church. But the church is also expressed locally in physical form. Right. And so the church is, it's an end both. The church is universal and expressed locally in physical form. The church is both universal and expressed locally in physical right. form. And what that, what you know, how I describe that is, you know, in um, in India right now, there are believers that are that are sleeping, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're, given this time. they're my brothers yep. and sisters. Yeah, amen. You know, in the Philippines, they're uh, I don't know, maybe maybe a little closer to waking up right now but they're my brothers and sisters they're they're part I have no of idea. the family of god right i don't know what the i have a horrible are. understanding of international and, times <laughs> and if there are christians in australia i'm sure they're doing something now yeah uh, they're, but they're, they're my brothers and sisters in australia and, and you and you get the concept that you know all over the globe i have brothers and sisters i have never met and also in time you know 100 years ago 200 years ago a thousand years ago there were believers all over that are now in heaven all right so you know, it, 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 it's a transcendent type of thing. Yeah. And in our per- current, you know, time, it's it's a global, universal yep. family of God, right? Yep. And this is, you'll see, the reason I start with this point is because this point is then expressed in, in every in every explicit um, image that God gives in his word to identify the church. These are true. So no matter how you are describing the church, no matter how... Paul is describing the church or Peter's describing the church, whatever um, device he is using, he means it in a real way. And it is true universally and expressed physically in a local form. Right. Uh, all the time. And one of the ways, so in case that there's probably totally true that you don't believe me, nor should you, because again, you know, the answer is here because we don't follow God's word. So the question is, what does God's word say about this? Well, the first thing, one of the things that I like the most uh, easy way to do this is people tend to know, like uh, people in churches to have an idea that in revelation Christ is specifically calls out churches and he calls out different churches by name for different things. So if you go to revelations chapter two through three in your Bible, you will see that Christ is talking to the church of Lystra to the church of Laodicea He's talking to a specific church, and in that, he describes specific things that that local church does, and those things, whether they're being celebrated or judged, are different than the next church, because it is a completely specific, clear, local expression of the church in a very real way, and it is, although it is a part of the universal church, it is not this other church. They are different 
churches. So there are different local expressions of mm-hmm. the universal church. Yep. Right? Yep. And we see that in the epistles too. We see that Paul Paul doesn't write Paul doesn't write generic letters to every believer all over the Mediterranean, right? Right. Right? He has an issue with Corinth with the believers in Corinth multiple times. Multiple <laughs> times. Yeah, he wrote two letters. One he wrote more than that, but one of them didn't seem to one go so the, well, so yeah. he kind of like dropped out of the camera. Really got of that one. Oh boy. That was so, the time Paul got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know he 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 wrote uh, he wrote a different um a different letter to the romans uh he wrote a different letter to to the philippians a different letter to the ephesians you know these are all the church in those cities um uh and and you know Galatians is one of the different ones that he wrote. It's just actually his first book that he authored. Yep. But it wasn't to a specific church. But in in Galatians one two, it says that he wrote to the churches, plural. You can look at the Greek, plural in Galatia. Why? Why? Like, why is it that way? Because Galatia wasn't a city; it was a region. But he was writing to the churches. In that region. So we see that local expression even in the way Paul wrote his letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can expand that to, to Titus and Timothy, the pastoral epistles as well. Right. Where was T- Timothy? He sends Timothy to uh, Ephesus. Ephesus he's, right. he's to put into right. order the church at Ephesus. And you got you got uh, Titus sent to the Isle of Crete, mm-hmm. right? This small little isle that needs structure right. and order placed in the church. And it says specifically in Titus, uh, I think verse uh, 1, verse 6, I think it is, and I don't have scripture, but it says that, that he is to place in each of the towns yeah. elders. Yeah. So it's um, like so it's a speci- <laughs> it's a specific locale it's like that is being drilled down in the literal expre- physical expression of of the universal church. Like there's really it's a community, little churches, like right. they're little expressions, and, and yet they are all part of the one church in Christ. So why do we say why do, why are we making this point that there's there's the church universal and then there's the church specific to a location? Because I think it's hard for us to understand. Uh, <laughs> Again, because when we look at how we treat the church in all these different ways in which I described how we can wrongly view the church, when we think about Christians that think the church exists for themselves, when we think about how pastors have not biblically taught the church and how we've selfishly individualized salvation, we realize that, yeah, except that God's word pulls us into a local, a physical body of of believers a physical expression of the church of christ so it's a real local thing we're supposed to be a part of we say that because it then goes into how he then specifically describes how the god's word how he describes that local expression he says you are to be a part of the church yes you are in christ you're a part of the church I have brothers all over the world, just, you know, and we'll use this example of family, just like I have family in Minnesota, right? And I have family in Minnesota, but I have my family right here in South Jersey. I have I my it's, little, it's Minnesota, Minnesota. I, yeah. I have my little clan of redheaded groupers right here. I have, I have a clan and that is my local expression of my family, which is all across this country, but I'm a part of those families. I have my local family right here. Um, and we see this expressed in how God then describes the church specifically. Right. So the first two things I wanted to touch on, I wanted to touch on them simultaneously because I, I do think they highlight a different way. 
Um, the church is described as the bride and body of Christ. The bride is the key part uh, for understanding that we um, we treat the church as a whore because Christ mm. refers to the church as his bride. So, so expound on that a little bit. So, so we so be be clear. Let when you clear. use the word whore, I think people can can lose it. Oh, we didn't say put your earmuffs on. Sorry. Oh, that one sneaked, snuck by. Oh, sorry, but, earmuffs. You know, be specific in 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 that this that that uh, comparison between yeah, so, the bride of Christ and how how we adulterate that. Uh, it's very simple. Um, in Ephesians chapter five, one of the things that will happen if you read the book of Ephesians is you can think. Um, that Ephesians, especially when you read like the first three chapters and we find out that we have such this deep identity in Christ, the book of Ephesians is actually all about the church. It's all about how you have this, you've been given these things in Christ, this identity in Christ specifically to use it in the local expression of God's church. Um, and in Ephesians chapter five, we bump into one of the most clear marriage passages. It's used in marriage counseling. It's used at weddings all the time. In Ephesians chapter five, we bump into this uh, interaction where Paul describes explicitly the relationship between a husband uh, that a, a wife is to have to a husband and a husband is to have to a wife. And he uses imagery, right? He, he, he says that the wife is to be like the church towards Christ and that, that the husband is to be like Christ towards towards his wife, the, the church. And, and Paul says, look, you think I'm writing about husband and wife here. I'm, I'm trying to actually tell you about the church. <laughs> and he used mm-hmm. husband and wife to make it so easy for us to understand because a, a husband is supposed to sacrifice and care and protect and provide for the church. The church is supposed to lovingly then submit and work under the that leadership, that, that good, clear guidance. And when Christ is the head, when he is the, the, the head of that marriage, of course we should want to do that. It's like the whole thing was like a setup. And we're like, oh, this is how a wife does. This is what a husband does. And Paul's like, wait, 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 wait. I just want to, I'm writing about a great mystery. So this is verse 25 to 27 of Ephesians 5. I'm writing about a great mystery here. That mystery is that I'm writing to you about Christ and the church. The church is the bride of Christ. But the church is also described in your two twelve passages you like to reference so often, Bob's mm-hmm. Romans twelve and First Corinthians twelve as the body of Christ. Can I can I go back to the Ephesians? Oh, yeah, go right back. Go right back. You, didn't give, you didn't give me a chance. I got, I'm sorry. I got I'm stuff sorry. to say. You invited me in here. I'm so sorry. Three o'clock in the morning. You know, I might as well say something. Three o'clock. It's not. It feels like it. <laughs> then again, when you're old as me, everything feels like three in the morning. <laughs> um, so you know that Ephesian passage that you um, that you mentioned uh, twenty verses twenty five to twenty seven. That, that that's that's not the beginning of the passage. First, I wanted to say that who's Paul writing this stuff to? The the church at Ephesus. The church, that local expression uh, uh, in Ephesus. Yes. Okay. So um, here we are, thousands of years later. We still glean the truths from it and apply it to us to us in our local expressions. But he's writing to a local expression in Ephesus, right? But that passage doesn't start with just marriage. It's in the context of the covenant community of believers in ephesus it starts in verse 21 where it says submit one to another in christ Uh, that's what it says so so the whole context of that that idea that we are the bride of christ happens in the local expression who covenants together in 
submission to each other as the bride. Yes. So this, it's, it, there's depths and layers to this that we don't think of because we maybe systematically have have looked at the scriptures or we go verse by verse, but we don't see the context or we don't see we don't remember that this is to a people group that were believers in Ephesus, just like we're a people group uh, where we where we are in our in our covenant communities together. Yes, yes, so, amen. I just wanted to back up and do that, but go no, ahead. That's totally so, fine. There you go. Just in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians mm-hmm. 12, Paul explicitly right. in writing to the church at Rome, who he was never able to actually physically visit, and uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, where he spent so much time in, yeah. in Corinth, he writes to both of them, and in his description, he describes the church as a body. And one of the right. things that you've you've pointed out many times is this is not a hypothetical body. Paul doesn't intend for this to be hypothetical. This isn't just imagery for him. He wants it to be a real thing. He wants you to really see yourself as a body. Now, when I say that, I don't mean like you are an actual limb. But he doesn't want you to take lightly the imagery that he's using here. He uses the imagery of a body because none of us like would find it effective if our hand was on the ground instead of attached to our arm, right? A body right. functions together. Right. It has roles and, and a body that is healthy functions well and it functions together. Right. When, it's a, when, when someone is sick, we see aspects of the body failing. There are parts of the body that are failing. Right. When well, it, it, when someone dies, the body stops working altogether. When we we're teaching through this now, and in both of those passages, First Corinthians twelve and Romans twelve. Now you got to remember these are two different local expressions, and these these books were not written like you know Paul wrote one, and then he you know said you know tell everybody I said hi, and then he just sat down and wrote another one. These are years apart in mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. in their writings. You know, um, the, so this isn't like. This is a theme that Paul's doing, is what I'm saying. This is this is not just like uh, v- v- you know verbiage. He's just spewing out, and he he wrote all the letters, boom, 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 boom put them in the mail, and then you know every, it's like Christmas cards. It's not like that. So he's telling two distinct local expressions that had two distinct communities. Uh, and you think about the Corinthian church; they were a hot mess. They were a really hot mess. Um, and and the Romans, there's a lot of doctrine stuff in Romans. They they it seems like they had their their maturity act together a little bit. So they're two different communities, but, but saying the same thing. And when you see that repeated by Paul, I think you need to take note. And also in these two passages in in, in Romans twelve and First Corinthians twelve, there is a link to how God has remade you into a new creation, into a new family member, into um into His family. He has actually gifted you to function in your local body of believers look at these two passages spiritual gifts are talked about right before the 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 metaphor that paul uses of a body and then he takes that metaphor and he says and he says it really plainly in first corinthians 12 so is so is the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. He says it flat out. So he takes the metaphor of a body and he says, this is how it works spiritually. And who's he writing to? The church universal? Well, we can all apply it, but he's writing to the Corinthians and they really needed it. So here we are. Okay, so I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Okay. I become his child. Amen. I, I'm an heir, right? Yep. I'm a son. Of, I'm a son. Yep. I'm an heir, but not only that, I'm a joint heir with Christ, right? 
Amen. But it does that's that's still wonderful, but it's not it's not the whole of it. The whole of it is when he when he rewrote my manual, right? Right. When he when my new life in him was written by him, he put into me a new operating manual. I was dead read Romans and yep. I'm alive spiritually, Amen. right? Okay? All right. So so I have this new manual, but he actually gave me the components I need. He gifted me to function in my local body. Amen. Now, now that has ramifications that we don't think about. And this is what I'm saying. We need to revisit this stuff often. If you are saved and you need to be in a local church and he has gifted you to be in that local church to function in that special way and you're a consumer in that church, that has that has really big implications. Yeah, implications really big, like negative implications. Yeah, my, implications my like earmuffs whoring you know? out the church, right? Right, like, exactly. And I think that's like, the essence of what we're kind of talking about here, like rejecting and defiling the gift God has given, right? And the creation God has made. Right. And I think that in happens. You. That happens all the time, mm. and congregants don't get it, mm-hmm. and pastors don't say it, yeah, and elders don't don't want to go there right because it rocks the boat but when the like you said when the body is healthy and people are engaging their their giftedness and their lives together and they're functioning like the local new testament church in the scriptures describe it is a healthy wonderful vibrant community that is about jesus christ and worships like at no other point that they can in no other way that they can Yes, it's a beautiful and thing, and that's that's I think what we're we're kind of like that's the soapbox we're up on tonight. In Absolutely, my mind. I get a little I get a little excited about these. You do, you get excited, and Whew. he has this problem where he's he's this counselor by by just by design by God, the way God's gifted him. So he has to look at me when he talks, and yeah, he totally forgets right to talk into yeah, the microphone. Sorry. Like he's talking at me, he's pointing yeah. at me. There's gestures, yeah. stuff's happening. I, I didn't hit you this time. <laughs> Wow. Um, Do I have to say all that again? Like, no, get no. The micro- oh, good. You were so passionate. I think the microphone yeah. picked it up just anyway. fine. <laughs> anyway. Get you, we're going to have to get you, just you, specifically a face mic to do recordings. I think so. <laughs> so that it travels wherever everybody. you look. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't look, I can't stare off into space. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. So that's the, that's the bride and body of right. Christ. But additionally, uh, the church is the family of God. Now, mm-hmm. this is a tough one. This is one that I think is really... It's hard because it really... Uh, pulls on this this connection that we where we all have family and sometimes fa- family is almost always has has its difficulties but we also uh, acknowledge that there's a very real connection to a family and so when God uses this language he's pulling us directly into a very real thing we are part of the family of God so Galatians chapter four now you go all the way back and start in verse one but the first seven verses end in verse seven it says this so you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, mm. then an heir through God. The scripture is very clear. We are we have been adopted by God into his family. And no, not just are we adopted, we are adopted as sons and daughters. We are made joint heirs with Christ himself. This is not something that a normal adoption would have taken into account inside of the context of the ancient, the ancient world where the early church is. Um, but to be a, a joint heir as an adopted son is unheard of. It's ridiculous. And so you're a joint heir. You are considered a biological member of God's 
family. And that's a very real specific thing. Maybe you're saying, oh, that's too general. And maybe that's too church universal. Well, then Paul in first Timothy, he's writing to Timothy again, having, having left Timothy, literally commissioned him to be in Ephesus and establish the church. He gives, he gives Timothy this command as he is supposed to treat people in the church at Ephesus. First right. Timothy five, one through two, he tells, he says, Timothy, you're, you're to be careful how you reprimand an older man. You're to treat an older man like a father, an older woman like a mother, right? You're to treat young men like sisters no. or young men like brothers. Well, Don't do that. They them. <laughs> Don't do that. Sorry. Young That's men like brothers That's and young women like sisters. He uses specific, not only specific, but he uses um, what I would call first degree familial terms, right? Mm. That is your, that is your like, intimate close blood relative family that is your mother your father your sister your brother this is first degree this isn't your aunt auntie or your uncle this is your your mother your your father your brother that's how we're to treat them and he does that because we're part of the family we are a local family of god so we must Hmm. we must take this and then really now, now we're really like bending and twisting some things because we're stuck right we can't treat the the church the way we treat it if the church is the family of God and we're called to treat that church in a familial way. Yeah. And I think, I think that um, this is where a lot of people can get snagged because if you think about our earthly families, we're not, we don't, we're not so hot, you know? Um, so we sometimes stamp, well, geez, <laughs> I don't know if I want to be a family. You know, I want to be special to God. And, you know, my family was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty jacked up with my family. Um, so I don't know what it means to have a, a father. I don't know what it means to have a, a mom, I don't, you know, that, that, that loved Jesus. I don't, I don't know what my brothers, oh, my God, you know, they, whew, boy, they, you know, they were anything but Jesus to me. But I think we take that and we stamp it on this concept of what the scriptures say is uh, is the family of God. And that's why we need the, the entirety of the New Testament to speak in. How did the church function? Yep. What were they doing as brothers and sisters in these local expressions? And I think we have a lot of things we can unpack with that. A lot. Oh, so many. And then there's the other reality of people that make you know, an idol of their family. Right. Right. And, and sometimes we make such an idol of our earthly family that we wouldn't even consider God's family. So whether, whether we would like reject God's family because we have a poor view of what a family is, or whether we would reject God's family because we have such a high view of what our earthly family is. The reality is God's family is supposed to, is supposed to be the quintessential family for a Christian. It is the, the, the sum total of what the family is supposed to be for a Christian is supposed to be found in the church. Like even even more so, like should that family be found in the church than in your family of 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 blood, your, your birth family, your your family of new birth, is even more so to be the quintessential element, the thing we view as that level of family. Now that's hard, right? And that doesn't deny any of the responsibility and accountability you have inside of your biological family, your blood family, your birth family. It just adds to it the weight that your family of new birth is to carry equal, I would say, nay, even more so, a larger role in your life. Yeah, and and I think maybe something that would help to think through that uh, for people that maybe idolize their families a little too highly is to, um, you know, kind of understand, especially if you have families that don't know the Lord and you're in the Lord, um, you know, how long are you going to be able to interact with your 
family of birth. It, at death, it ends, but your family of new birth lasts forever, which yep. is why we need to evangelize our families. Eternity. But, you know, it, it goes on forever if you if you are in the family of God. So it, there is an import to it. Um, uh, and, you know, and also consider that we've been gifted and we've, you know, we're part of each other. And it, 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 there's, a, there's a weightiness, and, but an excitement as well of serving each other. So, um, yeah, that, that, that familial aspect is something that we often lose when we're a consumer in church and we can check out uh, and not put the needs of the person behind me or next to me or in front of me in the pew ahead of my own needs because I don't even know them. So. Yep. When we use these models, I've got a list of seven things here because seven is the, is the perfect number oh, in the scripture. This is true. <laughs> so how can we then exalt the bride of Christ? How can we earmuffs, you know, treat treat the church as the bride of Christ, the mm. body of Christ, rather than whoring out that bride, that body? Yeah. How can we treat it and exalt it to, to the level it that scripture does? So here's some seven. Here's seven things. And we don't have to belabor them too much. You, you've you been patient with us, listener, already and given us lots of time. I think that was that was him <laughs> saying pops. Don't no, say much. No, that's not what I was saying I know. I, 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 I talked it. just I as know. much. I know. There was no judgment in my voice. First, I don't talk in the mic. Now I say too much. I know. <laughs> if only you'd said everything into the mic. <laughs> All right. So what's number one here? We're, number one. We're, we're moving right along. Pastors teach the church, right? Teach the church biblically and then become the biblical church. You don't have a career, you have a call. Yeah. That's the reality for pastors. Mm-hmm. A pastor is one, an elder is one who is called by God to be an elder. That's that's what it is. So don't church just church one careful on just seeking to get your your pastor from a renowned theological institution <laughs> rather make sure the pastor you have leading your body is one who is called right now i didn't even go hyper local and, and say that every elder in a church in the new testament was one who came from the church i don't even want to pop my try now Ooh. look that's not to say that if you have a person who is trained theologically at a place and is now the pastor again this the point here is teach the church right. biblically and then become that biblical church Okay, it's as simple. Repentance is as simple as turning. It's that's it's, it's that easy. Hmm. We don't have careers. We have calls as pastors. Right, right. We have calls. Yes, we're and you know um, those those character qualities we see in First Timothy three and Titus uh, one. You know those those character qualities are about the the man of God that God has made, um, and God has given the desire to be a shepherd over over a flock. Um, and it doesn't have to, it really doesn't have much to do with, uh, personality. Uh, it doesn't have uh, a whole lot to do with, uh, academics. If you read that list, uh, and it doesn't have a whole lot to do with intellect. It has everything to do with the man of God that God has made him the character of him. So, and I think we get lost in that pedigree thing. I just wanted to throw that in as as two cents. Absolutely. So the next, the next, so like connecting pastors and the church, and Christians together, those that make up the church body together, is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, which says that, or, or starting in verse 11, says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, why, in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, mm-hmm. for building up the body 
of Christ. The role of a pastor is to build up the saints. Now here, dear saint, that's so that you can do the work. I think so many times we think we've hired, we have a, we have a person who has a career. It's their job to do the work. No, their job is simply to build up the church so that the church can do the work. <laughs> right. So number two, Christians, stop looking to check off your wish list. All right. Don't be a John looking for a whore. Hmm. Sorry, earmuffs. Don't do that. Stop looking to check off your your wish list. Submit and obey to God and his shepherds. The church isn't about you. It's about God and his glory. Yeah, and that and and if you just read that passage of Ephesians 4 a little further, it says that until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. In other words, those elders are are given to the church and should create an environment and a and and a means that all of us grow into the fullest, most mature sons and daughter of God that we possibly can. Yep. Yep. And Amen. that means I'm not transferring my spiritual clout to my pastor. I'm taking it back and he's helping me grow in Christ. And together, we go forth with the gospel, and we go forth as the light of the world. Yes, and amen. There you go. How's that? Yep. Number three. Commit- I was looking at you again, not in the microphone, darn it. It's okay. The, the microphone picked you up. I'm not good for the studio stuff. <laughs> three. So. Commit, all right, commit yep. and sacrifice to and for your church. Yeah. Let your friends and family see your love for God's people. Yeah. And I highlight this. You can highlight this many ways. Uh, one of the ways I, I think is, is Acts chapter 2. We always look at the church, and we, we look at the church, early church, and we say, oh, it's growing so fast. It just must have been the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I always say, wait, so you mean the one that you have, like right now, if you're in Christ? Like the one that is present right now in every believer, in every body, uh, local, local body of Christ? Christ church all across the world right now, that same spirit, what did he die? Is he just dead now? He doesn't do work anymore. Or could it be that the church in Acts chapter two was living this life? They were living the bride, the body and the family of Christ out so loud, right? That their families, their friends, they saw them no longer hanging out, no longer doing the things, no longer basing their lives on their friendships and on their families, but rather basing it on the church. Church became the structure of life. And not only that, they were doing it so well. They they were walking away from generational wealth. You had Jews who were now saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And boom, you're cut off from all of the... The, the thousands of generations of connections that your family has built up inside of the Jewish community, done, gone. Your community is now the church. And so, of course, they're selling, they're sharing, they're sacrificing, they're living together, they're eating together, they're communing together because that's all they had. And they did it so well that the world said, oh my gosh, that's what I need. And so daily they're being added to. That's why, that's the reason. Yeah. <laughs> yes, God's, God no longer has the power to do miracles. But, uh, you know, or, <laughs> I, the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that anymore. Oh. He changed. He, he got real he boring, apparently. He doesn't do <laughs> totally that vanilla anymore. now. <laughs> he doesn't work through his people in God's word anymore. Stopped it totally Not altogether. Not like that. Oh, gosh. You mean, you mean I got to be in somebody's business every day? Every day. I got to be part of their life as a fellow believer in my community called Monsieur Day every day? Yeah, and you said it earlier. I mean, this is what? not to say that it's easy. No. This is incredibly hard. And we can, remember, I'm saying that from experience. 
right? Like right. We're speaking from experience. This is incredibly difficult. I can also speak from experience. It is immeasurably valuable. Yes. There is no there's cap value to the value because this is the way God called it. Right. And of course there's no cap to the value because this is the way God called us to be. Right. Oh, right. Uh, number four. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Let's go on. Uh, number four, your bond to your church is stronger than blood. Yeah. This is a hard one. That is a hard one for a lot of people. For it really a lot is. Of reasons, right. But you got, so you go to Matthew 12, 46 or 50, you have Jesus, right? Jesus is there ministering and he's ministering to the apostles uh, and he's ministering to those that wish to hear him. Those that are sitting under his teaching. And then you have, you have some come up to him and you say, uh, Jesus, your, your mother and your brother, they're, they're outside. They want to talk to you. And Jesus looks at that man and says, wait a second, my mother and my brother, they're, they're right here. I'm talking to them right now. He immediately establishes those that call him Lord, those that call him Savior, those that sit under his teaching as his family, and he makes an immediate connection that there is a deeper connection there than there is to his blood relatives. Now, by God's grace, right, His we see both Mary acknowledging Jesus as yeah. Lord and Savior. We, right. see, we see also, right, the... The brother, his brother himself, leading the church in in Jerusalem. We see what, what was his name? James. James. There you go. Yes, and okay. and and James himself leading the church in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, like y- your brother doesn't follow you as God unless you are. <laughs> like if anyone's not going to follow you, it's your brother, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, if you told Jesse you were Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, well, not. <laughs> yeah, right. Check him into the hospital. Yeah, He's, this one's lost right. it. <laughs> Um, but, but here Christ establishes in a very real way. This is why, you know, uh, he, he would later go on to say like, um, you will have, if you're going to love me, then you're going to end up having to hate your, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. He didn't mean literally you're going to hate them. He meant that there's a reality in, if you're going to love me, it trumps the love you have for right. any earthly relationship. Right. Because we don't just love Christ like we love our husband or our wife. We love Christ like he is the sovereign God who has saved us, mm-hmm. called us, Amen. remade us. Yep. Right? There's a totally different understanding of that. And the best picture we can get is husband and wife. The yeah. best understanding we can have of our relationship to him is a family, right. is being so intimately connected that it's like a body. Right. Like these are the best pictures we have in an earthly realm to understand that connection. Right. Yep. I Good. ranted. You didn't. I'm no, sorry. I like that. I like that. I ran a little bit. You I ran a little bit. I should have breathed in there. Maybe if I breathed once, you, you would have been able you, to. <laughs> speaking in the mic and speaking the truth. So, <laughs> number five: If you go to church but are not a fully engaged part of a church, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I would. You know, if I can rant on this one a little bit, you know, <laughs> going back to those Roman twelve and the and First Corinthians twelve passage. That if you read those, you see that when the body doesn't function, the whole body suffers. You know. Um, drop a drop a cinder block on your foot. You know, does just your does just your foot respond to that? No, 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 no. Things come out of your mouth. You know, ouch, ow, and maybe even worse, right? Right, writhing. So, you know, uh, your 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 probably your eyes well up. You know what? And then and you're walking with a limp, and you're doing inventory. Oh my gosh, is there blood? Oh, there is blood. Now what do I do? Do I need a tourniquet? Do I need a hospital? Do I need? You know, your whole body is now in shutdown mode because of your foot. Yep. That's the way it works in church. Mm-hmm. And if you're not there, you're not bringing the gift God has 
given to you and you're not using it. And now guess what the elders have to do? Here's my rant. The elders have to now shepherd harder to make up for your loss. Mm. Why? Because you're a consumer <laughs> and you're not you're not my brother and sister. You're sinning. Repent. What does Hebrews say? Why do you, oh. why do you make why is it that you kick against the goads, right? Oh, boy. Like love your pastor enough to follow. Yeah. Because we're all in it together. And if your pastor's messing up, yeah. help love him enough to, to call him back. Yeah. Jeez, pastors need to repent. We're just I think pastors the best are in the church should be the pastor. Amen. Oh my gosh. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yep. And if you don't live in a way with your pastor that your pastor hasn't had to repent to you or you to your pastor mm. because of something you've done, then you do not live well inside mm. of a church with your pastor. I'm just that's saying. That's really that's see that's really potent right there. Do you even have you ever seen yeah. your pastor sin? Yeah. Have do you, you do, yeah. do you even know if he does sin? Yeah. And if, <laughs> have you have you ever seen him repent? Oh my goodness. That's Heavens. a big deal. That really is a Heavens. big deal. You know? So we all know it happens. You know, we all know sin happens. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know does. what? Why oh, not? Man. If 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 congregants saw their pastor repent, then they might repent. No. What? What? That's crazy. That's for another podcast. <laughs> That's too big for my head to wrap. It's too wrap much. Wrap. One podcast can't contain that kind number of knowledge. Six. What's number six? Your church should have expectations. Oh, this is a tough one. Your church should have expectations of you because it's about God, not you. Ooh, any examples in the scripture that you can think <laughs> Just of? Just the word that talk about the scripture, right? It's the one that always comes to mind. But if if you look at what happens with Ananias and Sapphira and Peter and the giving to the church, and it's just, it's like, I can't think of a more clear, the clear picture in scripture where one, there was transparency, uh, there was the knowing and the expectation of of engagement and giving. <laughs> And not only that, God, there was uh, there was like judgment and <laughs> accountability, just real, real clear. Um, and you're like, oh well, that doesn't happen anymore oh, now. This nowadays, is, <laughs> this is a stone cold drop dead and example is <laughs> drop it? dead. Sure is. That happened not once, but two twice, two times, two, <laughs> two thumps. <laughs> Um, but this is a reality. This is what we don't like. Families, you're expected to be a part of a family, to do things in a family. And here's the thing. We live, it's really a sad thing. We live in a way where our families are disconnected, right? Kids come home, they go to their rooms, mom and dads, they go to their rooms. There's no shared connectivity and community. It's really one of the reasons why we have yeah. so many issues in our cultures because right. families are completely broken. Um, and, and when you, when you, pull a family back together, you realize there's expectations. In mm -hmm. fact, there's expectations out of necessity in order for a family to function correctly, that you have accountability to one another, right. that there's there's real and measured um, things in which family members must interact and do right. with and for each other. So don't, don't mistreat the church and certainly don't get upset because your church even expected things of you. Like, hey, you haven't been there in a while. We really love you. We miss you. Why aren't you at church? What does it matter to you? You're not get out of my business. You don't deserve to know. How about no? That's the family of God you're talking about right, right. there. That's the bride of Christ. Right. Don't you mistreat that. Treat it like a... Uh, earmuffs. Uh, earmuffs. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That story of Ananias and Sapphira, you know, I mean, if they if they just said, listen, we sold a building and we're giving you 50% of it. We need the other 50% to pay off, you know, that land. And when that land's paid off, you like, no, here's all of it. Liar, liar, pants on fire. We're giving everything to Folk. the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the early church took note of that, saying, wait a minute, we do need to be pure because we are brothers and sisters. What do you think it was oh, like? Why? Right? The one goes down and Peter's like, hey guys, get this body out quick. We got another one coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't let him see the body. Yeah. <laughs> 
Get the body out. Put a rug over it. Oh, no, no. We gave everything. Dunk. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Did it again. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. Anyway. Don't, mis- don't, don't I'm just saying, don't abuse God's church. And the last one. Number seven. Hey. Remember that the church is meant to reflect the glory of God to the world, not the glory of a pastor, a worship team, or your personal checklist. Ugh. Yeah, there's you a... You went there. This is for real. Ugh. So, uh, John chapter 17, verse 22. These are the words of Christ himself. Uh, let me just... I'm just slow to the pull. Slow on the pull up here. John 17, verse 22 says this. Uh, it's still slow. The glory that you... This is Jesus saying it, that God has given to him. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Who's the them? The apostles, the church, that they may be what? One, even as we are one. Hmm. That is the call of the church to reflect the glory of God. It's so clear. And we do not talk about it, right? But when you look all the way back through Exodus, when God has called a covenant people to himself and brought them together in regular corporate gatherings, it was expressly for them to receive and reflect the glory, his glory, so that the world could see it. Hmm. I mean, it's it's really an overwhelming thought to think that we mistreat the church, which is to reflect the glory of God on earth, that he has made it to do that. It's it's. It's almost ludicrous that we would mistreat God's church that way. Yep. Second uh, Peter one through three, starting in verse three, says this: His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's what God's given to the church, right? Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of his sin because of sinful desire there's a calling together for the glory of god in which we are able to reveal aspects to the world of eternal things because we are pulled out of the world into the body of christ and, and away from sinful desires into the realm of glory and holiness. You know, that 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 verse 3 says that, that he has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You know, we think of those things. Well, what has he given us? You know, like everything, that's saying that everything we need to be godly, he's given us. So what are those things? And people would say, he's given us his spirit. Amen and amen. Yes and amen. He's given us his word. Amen and amen. amen. And that's usually where it stops. But you know what else he gave us? He gave us each other in the church. He gave us each other. Mm -hmm. He gave us each other and a way to function together that we could be called to a higher form of godliness. And we neglect that. And it's not taught. It's not, it's not, it's not grasped. You know, when we grasp it, we understand that I need you. You need me. You know, I need my brothers universal, universally, you know? I need them to do what they do in their local expressions. Yep. And therefore, I need to do what I need to do in my local expression. Amen. So, but Because I'm a bivocational pastor, I talk, run into bump into so many people and so many people that are Christian but don't necessarily have a part of a church. And you know one of the things that often I find is that when they're talking to me, they're looking for validation of their salvation, almost as if there's a level of doubting. So dear Christian, mm. I, I just want to point this out. If you are doubting whether you are truly saved in the kingdom, 
one of the best ways you can know is if you're in a church. And the reality of that is, is because there is a great cloud of witnesses that is to point to you and the effective nature of your salvation through the Holy Spirit, through through Jesus Christ. It happens inside the church. Why? Because the church sees your works. It sees where you're growing. It sees how you love the Lord. And they can readily identify you are in the kingdom. All of the fruit we can view is seeing that you are not the same. You have changed. You are growing. You are trying. You are not perfect. Do not let your failings, your shame, and your guilt allow your joy to be robbed. That happens inside the church. If you're a Christian alone having doubt, you have no... You, you, you can allow that weight of sin and guilt and shame to cloud the truth that God has called you His son, yeah. that He's called you His daughter. I would, I would, I would add one word to that. Oh, please do! Not just the church, a healthy church, a healthy local, a healthy church. local body mm-hmm. of believers yes, that amen. claim Lord Jesus Christ and His Scriptures. Yes, and Amen. Right. So, and in their imperfect ways, I'm sure, but that's what we're talking about. Not just a church or the church that's on the corner we're talking the 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 healthy church that loves jesus christ yes yes and, and amen so. man so all, all we've done is given you like you know a bunch of really hard things for you to do. <laughs> yeah you know it's like, Star- get after it right started off hard with the w word but boy it got harder that's right peter it patter did. peter patter get after it everybody Woo. <laughs> a lot of scripture tonight uh we'll try to have that up in the show notes so you can go back and read it for yourselves uh don't think this is our ideas because it's not our ideas uh also it if it seems harm if it seems overwhelming first pray second get in the word third encourage your pastor encourage others grow together none of this is meant to be a solo project this right. is you've been designed and created for community that community in Christ is the church. Amen. Yes and amen. And with that, dear Christian, we hope that you will seize the faith.